Welcome, everyone. Hey, so good to have all of you at all of our churches today as we are concluding our series entitled First Love. But before we jump into this final conversation today, every fourth Sunday of the month, uh, we go above and beyond our normal giving to show our communities that we are for them. And we call it our $4 for Other Sunday. And this is when we all come together and we give, and we give a small amount, but it adds up to a great blessing for each of our communities. So each month, uh, what we do is those gifts are given to different community or different community organizations or groups of people in our communities that serve our community in order to bless them and help them grow further faster. And remember, the goal is not the amount, but it's that 100% of us are coming together to bless our communities, to show our communities that we are for them. So this month... Your gifts to this $4 for others gift today is going to be benevolent support for the homeless students in our schools. Now, for some of you, when we put this up there, that may surprise you because this is a much greater need in all of our schools and all of our communities than most people understand. In fact, every county that our church represents has a central staff position literally a student and family support liaison whose primary responsibility is to make sure that the homeless students have the resources they need so that they can focus on their education. Now, here's the thing. They are limited, our schools are limited what the federal fund dollars, because they do get some federal dollars for this, but they, it's limited on what they can buy with the funds. So the funds that are given this month are gonna go in to fill in the gaps for these students. Now, also, to help fill in that gap, you have an opportunity this month as well to serve these students by um, looking at this list that was on your seat when you came in, and you can donate items to help resource them as well. Now, on the list is when and where you need to have the resources re re um, purchased and returned back to your campus. And then here's the thing I know. There are going to be some things on this list that you're going to think, why is that? I mean, isn't this like ready, available to everybody? And the reality is whenever you're homeless, you don't always have access to transportation, information, or things that most of us take for granted. So there has been a legitimate um, validating of all of these resources that are on here. So everything is a legitimate need um, to help with the homeless students. So here's how you can give. O on your seat, when you came in today, there was an envelope. And on this envelope, you can put the money inside it of the $4 or whatever you're gonna give and drop it in the giving boxes on your way out. Or you can just scan this QR code and you can give digitally to the RCC app or you could even go to our website and you could give that way. So you can go ahead and do that right now. But while you're doing that, let me again just say thank you as I do every month for being a church that helps us show the love of Jesus through the many different expressions of being for, because as I've said before and throughout this series, I just believe it's our strong faith in Jesus demonstrated by our love for each other that is going to make the people in our community um, say, man, that's a desired destination. I love what those people do. Don't understand everything, but I wanna be a part of something like that. So thank you for being a church that is for the people in our communities. Now, once you grab your Bibles, uh, that note-taking device where we're going to take notes as we jump in to our final part of our conversation entitled First Love. Now, if it's your first time with us today or if you missed some of these sermons, I really would encourage you to go online where you can watch or listen or go to our app. You can watch or listen there because there's so much that 
what we're building on this summer that's gonna set us up for where we're going this fall and especially in 2024. So just to remind us um, why this series is so important to us, kind of the big idea of this, is that the church at Ephesus, I mean, it was a church that had this incredible start. I mean, against all odds, um, and we've told you a little bit of their story. It's why you might want to go back and watch or listen out of Acts chapter 19. They experienced unity in a way that was unheard of in that culture. I mean, they were such a portrait of God's love that they absolutely turned their city upside down with the good news of Jesus. So the church became this desired destination for all those not in the church. And they were doing so well when they started. In fact, Paul spent three years of his life there starting that, and then a few years later after he left there, he wrote this letter called, that we call the book of Ephesians in our Bible. And then 30 years later, Jesus addresses this church through the apostle John, this church that had been doing so well. And here's why Jesus addresses this church in Revelation chapter two, beginning in verse four. He says, yet I have this against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You have left your first love. So consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So Jesus is saying to this church at Ephesus that you've left. You got distracted from your first love. And even though they had right beliefs and they had right behaviors, they had lost their first love. They got distracted from it. They lost their love for Jesus, and the result of that, they lost their love for each other. And here's the thing. Whenever a church loses or leaves its first love, which is expressed through our love for other people, here's the reality. A church loses its way. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like you lost your way? Have you ever felt like that you lost your way? I think if we're all honest, we have all felt that we've lost our way at times. I mean, some of you right now, you feel like you're in one of those seasons right now where we have lost our way. I mean, maybe for some of you, you feel like you lost your way spiritually. Others of you feel like you lost your way relationally. Some of you feel like you've lost your way financially. Maybe even emotionally, you feel like that you've lost your way. So what do you do when you feel like you've lost your way how do you get back on track? How do you get back to the place where you're thriving and not just surviving? And I think this is why the final words of the Apostle Paul in the second half of chapter six are so important for us today because what the Apostle Paul does as he wraps up this letter to the church at Ephesus, he tells us how we can keep from losing our way and what we can do to get back on track if we have lost our way, no matter whatever circumstance or whatever situation that you're facing in life. And I can't help but think that if the church, that is the people of Ephesus, would have applied the words that we're gonna hear from the Apostle Paul today, this statement that we just looked at from Revelation chapter two, the words of Jesus, would not have been needed to say to them. So if you got your Bibles, I invite you to look with me at the Apostle Paul's final words, his encouragement and his instruction to the church at Ephesus beginning in Ephesians chapter 10 or chapter 6 verse 10. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, "A final word." Now, this little phrase right here, a final word, some of your Bibles are simply going to start with, "Finally, brethren." 
Finally, brothers and sisters. And what the Apostle Paul is saying when he says this word finally here is that while everything else that he has written has been very important in the first six chapters of this letter, what I'm about to say to you now, it matters the most. It is the most important thing that we need to remember and apply. So we need to pay very careful attention today to what he's saying to us. So what is it that is so important for us to pay attention to? Well, beginning in verse 10, the Apostle Paul, he introduces us to this invisible spiritual war that we all are engaged in. And he tells us there's a whole lot more than meets the eye with your personal struggles in life when it comes to any struggles or any battles that you have. That's why he says in the next part of this verse that we're going to need a strength that is much greater than any strength that we could have on ourselves or out of ourselves. Notice this in this verse. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And many of you are sitting there thinking, oh, I, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired already. How do I do this? Like, how can I be strong? I mean, I'm already trying as hard as I can. So how do I add one more thing? Well, the good news is when the Apostle Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, he's not asking anything of us. This whole phrase, be strong in the Lord, in the original language is in the passive tense. It's not in the active tense. So it's not asking anything of us. So maybe a better way of saying this phrase would be being made strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, meaning that the strength, it doesn't come from you, but it's available to you as you lean into Jesus and his mighty power, his mighty power that indwells you as a follower of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, how do we lean in to God's mighty power in the struggles that we face in life, in the battles that we face in life, whenever we feel like we've lost our way? Well, then he begins to unpack for us how to do this. And he gives us several ways to do this. One of them, he says, is he says, you put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies or the schemes of the devil. So the apostle Paul says, one of the most important things you need to know and remember is that you are in this invisible spiritual battle with your enemy, the devil. He says, there is a devil. There is a evil entity. And he is working different strategies or different schemes to cause you to lose your way so that he can destroy you. And I want you to miss this. The greatest battle in your life is against the devil's strategies and the devil's schemes. So what are the devil's strategies? What is the devil's scheme that he uses to try to get you to lose your way? You might wanna write this down. The devil's greatest strategy is to derail you and deplete you. That, that's his whole goal. It is to derail you and to deplete you. Now I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you one of the greatest ways that he does this, and we did a whole series on this, so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it, but one of the primary ways he does this is through a battle or the battle for your mind. So the devil's strategy, one of his strategies, take what is true and distort it just enough to cause you to lose your way. So his strategy is that you will eventually destroy yourself and as many other people as you can in the process. 
And there's multiple ways that he does this. And, and I'm just gonna give you three or four and then we're gonna look at another one that the Apostle Paul magnifies. And these are all that we talk about in the series when we talk about the battle for your mind. But there's multiple ways that he does this. One is he tries to get you addicted to destructive behavior patterns or habits. Another one is by making you busy. In fact, Corey Ten Boom said this. She said, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. I mean, think about it. Most of us, we're running so fast and so hard in a constant state of fatigue because we're running so fast and so hard. And so the devil's strategy, a scheme, is to get you to fill your life life up with so many good things that you don't have time for the most important thing, your first love. Or another way that he tries to derail and deplete you is by placing untrue, unhelpful, and harmful thoughts in your head. I mean, thoughts that just swirl and swirl and swirl and swirl, and the more they just spin around in your head, the more derailed you get from your relationship with God and the more depleted you become in your soul. In fact, as Craig Rochelle said in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind, he says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And what is so amazing about this is we tend to be the most unaware of the impact that our thoughts are having in derailing us and depleting our souls. It is one of Satan's primary strategies for causing us to lose our way. And if you missed that series, I would encourage you to go back and watch or listen to it online as well. In fact, there's, there's four things, uh, four ways of thinking that the devil uses to derail and deplete you in the way that you think. And some of you will see how your primary thought patterns are. One is underthinking, and, and that's where we self-medicate. We keep ourselves so busy or we medicate in some kind of way. So you try not to think about it. And in the process, you're getting further and further away from Jesus as your first love. Others are overthinking. You're just spinning up and it's causing you to get further and further away from your first love, Jesus, because you're just overthinking. And you're trying to, you think if you think about it enough, you'll come up with a logical outcome to be able to control your future. And it's just totally pleading your soul. Others is uh, indecisive thinking, is you just can't make up your mind whether you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus or if you're going to follow the way of the world. And you're always back and forth. And Jesus says, hey, listen, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. They just get derailed and depleted and then unfiltered thinking. And that is you just let whatever happens happen and you, you have no, you're not being led by the Spirit in the way that you think. So for just a moment, I, I want you to think about are there any behaviors or habits that are derailing you and depleting you right now? And you're not being honest with people. And you're even trying to hide some of these behaviors and some of these habits. Or are you so busy that you are getting derailed from your first love and therefore becoming depleted in your soul? Or what battle are you fighting in your mind that is derailing you and depleting you? Now, there's another strategy the devil uses, and it is so dangerous. And it's kind of like build up on what we've just unpacked for you, these three strategies that I just shared with you. I want you to notice this fourth one, and it is found in verse 12. He says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So the apostle Paul says another strategy the devil to use is to deceive us into thinking that our struggles in life, our battles in life are because the people that we have to deal with. But the apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. 
That's not where your fight is, meaning your battle is not against your boss, it's not against your coworkers, it's not against your classmate, it's not against your fellow church attenders, it's not against your spouse, it's not against your children. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our enemy, the devil, wants us to view each other as the enemy or the other person as the problem. And when he can get us to lose sight of the fact that he, Satan, is our enemy, what he does is he misdirects us and we begin to attack each other. It's the reason for so much destruction in relationships. And I'm just telling you, this strategy has derailed and depleted so many people in the 21st century who call themselves followers of Jesus. See, the enemy is the one who's telling you, your spouse is your problem. The enemy is telling, me, telling you, your parents are your problem. The enemy is the one that's telling you, those people, if it's that group of people, that person, they don't deserve to be treated like a person created in the image of God. Our enemy, Satan, is very crafty. And what he wants us to do is forget that he's his, our enemy and attack each other. And when we do that, we play right in to Satan's scheme. Because once he's able to distort your reality just enough, and in doing so, he's now has you carrying out his whole plan, his whole strategy to not only derail you and deplete you, but as many other people around you as he can. So the person that you are struggling against right now is not your primary problem. Notice what the Apostle Paul said the battle really is in the last part of verse 12. Here's what he says. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Don't miss what the Apostle Paul is saying. We have to be very careful not to lose sight of who our real enemy is. In fact, you might wanna write this down. We are not at war with the world. Most churches will teach you that we're at a war with the world. No, 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 no. We're not at war with the world. We're at war with Satan, our enemy for the world. And when we're at war with Satan, our enemy for the world, for our marriages, for our families, for our relationships, that's who we're at war with. And this is very different than the mindset of what most people who call themselves followers of Jesus think but it's one of Satan's primary schemes to get us derailed from our first love because as long as it's like those people or that group of people or that person, then Satan's got a heyday because he's derailed us from our first love, Jesus, that is expressed through our love for others. So beginning in verse 13, the Apostle Paul, he tells us that God has given us some equipment for this battle, some resources, and he begins to unpack how we can lean in and be made strong in the power of the Lord. And he starts in verse 13 by telling us what the equipment is. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And then in verse 14, he goes on, he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. And then he says, in addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we have a lot of equipment available to us to engage in this battle that we're in. Now, at this point, those of you who are familiar with this passage, you're gonna expect me to focus in on what each piece of this armor means, how to put it on, how to use it. But we're not gonna do that today because today we're gonna focus on the next verse. And the reason is because starting in verse 18, the Apostle Paul gives us one of the most important and the most powerful resources that we can use to lean into Jesus to be made strong in the mighty power of God. It is a resource that often gets overlooked when this passage is taught. It's often a resource that we go to last instead of going to first as we're gonna see what the Apostle Paul says we should be doing. This should be the first thing. Notice what he says in verse 18. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. That, that, it means, that means your spouse, that means your children, that means your coworkers, that means everybody in the church, everybody you grumble about in the church, everybody you grumble about outside of the church. He said, this is what you should be doing instead of grumbling. Don't miss us. When the apostle Paul starts out and says, pray in the spirit, he is saying prayer is the way that we actually fight the spiritual battle. Don't miss what I just said. When he says pray in the spirit, he's saying, listen, this is an invisible spiritual war. So prayer is the way that we actually fight the battle. So you can say it this way. If you're not praying, you're not fighting. If you're not praying, you're not fighting. In other words, we can have all this armor on. We can have access and understand how to put it on, how we should be able to use it. But if we don't actually fight with it, we're not gonna have any success. So when the apostle Paul says, I want you to pray in the spirit, he is saying, listen, prayer is how you activate the armor. This is how you put the armor into action. See, the armor can only be put into action through prayer. You don't have enough power in yourself to activate the armor. It only happens through prayer. You could say it this way. The Holy Spirit moves when bold prayers are prayed and bold faith is displayed. Do you know when bold faith is displayed? When I pray bold prayers. See, the apostle Paul says, when you do your part and you pray, pray boldly as we're gonna see how to do that in just a moment. God shows up in extraordinary and powerful ways and God becomes very personal. But you have to be a person that is committed to prayer and not just any kind of prayer. We're gonna show you what kind of prayer that is. So how do we do this? Well, he says that we're to be doing this. If you're looking at your passage, he says, we're to be doing this at all times and on every occasion. Meaning this, don't miss this, and you may wanna write it down. Prayer 
A conversation with God should be the primary conversation we have throughout our day. Don't miss that. He says, I want you to be praying at all times and on all occasions, meaning the primary conversation you should be having out throughout your day is with God. Not, it's, just, it's this moment-by-moment moment conversation with God about what we're doing, what we're experiencing at all times and on every occasion. And I'm telling you, this is so key. So instead of having conversations with yourself and swirling around in your mind and getting more derailed and more depleted and then having conversations with other people and grumbling and complaining and griping and criticizing and getting more derailed and more depleted from our first love, he's saying there needs to be this daily, natural, minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour conversation with God all the time and all situations minute by minute conversation with God think about that see while there should be times of solitude in our day where we just stop and it's me and God and his word and scripture and I pray and I journal and I listen for God to speak to me it should not stop there prayer should be a continual conversation from there for the rest of our day because the spiritual war that we're in is 24 seven. So the conversation should be 24 seven. In fact, the phrase at all times and on every occasion, make sure if you're taking notes that you highlight this, the phrase at all times and on all occasions, it has the idea of prayer, upon prayer, upon prayer, upon prayer, upon prayer. Do you want me to keep going? That's the idea. It's prayer upon prayer, all times, all occasions. If you look in original language, it's this idea of prayer, built upon prayer, built upon prayer. There's this continual conversation with God throughout the day. So 24-7 prayer is a statement to God of my awareness of my dependency on God. The, le the, the less you pray, the more you should understand that you fall into the scheme of Satan to go, oh, I can handle this myself. So 24-7 prayer is a statement that I am not capable of making life happen on my own. I'm not capable of being strong on my own. I'm not capable of changing people. I'm not capable of griping, complaining, and criticizing enough to change the world. I'm not even strong enough to change myself. See, that's why the apostle Paul says in the last part of this verse, he says, I, I want you to be, notice what he says. He says, I want you to stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Notice he says, stay alert and be persistent. See, part of staying alert in prayer is by being persistent. Because see, when you pray persistently, what does it require you to do? It requires you to stay alert. It requires you to lean into your relationship with God and trust him and surrender to him and depend on him to help you understand what is best for you. See, persistent prayer is the path to God becoming personal in your life. It's why the Apostle Paul invites you, or, or Jesus, I shouldn't say the Apostle Paul. It's why Jesus invites you and I to ask and seek and knock and 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 ask and seek and knock. And some of you are getting bothered by that, but God is not when we're persistent. In fact, 
He's not bothered. God is not bothered by persistent prayer. God is honored by persistent prayer. And here's why God is honored by it. Prayer is the way I come before God and I sate my soul and my strength dependency on God. And see, many of us, what we want to do is we want to pray one little prayer one time and everything will be fixed. And God goes, no, no, no. I want you to be persistent in your prayer. In fact, someone said it this way. As breathing is vital to our physical body, so prayer is that vital to our spiritual life. Don't miss what I just said. As your breath, your moment by moment breathing is vital to the life of your physical body, so prayer is vital to our spiritual life. And that's why we have been encouraging you throughout this series. That's why we started with prayer at the beginning, why we're challenging you to be in prayer, doing more prayer for each other, for our church throughout this study because it helps us understand why we should just lean in to follow Jesus and we should not try to follow Jesus in isolation. See, it helps us understand why, why you shouldn't do church alone. It helps us understand why we're stronger together, safer together, and more effective together. In fact, notice how the apostle Paul says this in verse 19. He says, and here's what I also want you to do. He says, pray for me too. Notice what he says. And ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. And then he goes on in verse 20. Notice he says, I am in chains now. Don't miss that line. I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. So you need to remember that the apostle Paul is in prison when he's writing this letter. And when he's asking the church at Ephesus to pray for him, he's saying, I'm praying for you that as I am in a very difficult situation, pray for me so that I don't get derailed or depleted so that I can fulfill God's plan for my life as his ambassador. In fact, notice the apostle Paul doesn't ask them to pray for God to change his situation or his circumstance. He's asking that God would maximize his situation or his circumstance. So that's what some of you should be praying, is God maximize this work situation that I'm in. You don't like the work situation. You think it's your boss. You think it's your coworker saying, God, instead of changing my circumstance, change me so that I can maximize the plan and purpose for my life. Instead of saying, God, I need you to change my marriage. I need you to change my parents. I need you to change my coworkers. I need you to change. We're always asking God to change our situation. And Paul goes, no, 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 no. What we need to say is, God, I recognize this situation. But here's what I need you to do, folks. I need you to pray for me so I can maximize the situation. Listen, this is a great example of what it looks like to be strong in God's mighty power. He is in a terrible, terrible situation. His life could be ending any day. And he is being made strong by leaning into God's power. So that he's not focused on his situation, but he's focused on fulfilling the mission that God has called all of us to as followers of Jesus. 
being his ambassadors. See, that is the power of the armor of God being activated by prayer. And let me just go ahead and say, you can know all the pieces of the armor and you can know what they're all supposed to be used for. But if you don't become a person of persistent prayer, the armor is useless. At the end of the day, the apostle Paul is not concerned about his own personal circumstances. He still got his first love, his love for God and his love for others. So let me ask you a question. In fact, you might wanna write this question down. If God would answer all of your prayers from the past 12 months, how would your world and the world be transformed? If God answered all the prayers that you've prayed over your last year, would the world change? Would the gospel be going further? Would, would lives be changed? Would more souls be coming into the kingdom? Or just your world? And how would your world be changed? Would you be more loving of God and more loving of the church family? Would you be more loving of your spouse and, and your children and the people you work with? Or, or would it just be some self-centered entitlement prayer? God, make my life better, make me better, make it better for me, make it me, 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 me. Listen, praying at all times and all occasions, staying alert and persistent, that kind of prayer is what kept the Apostle Paul focused on Jesus and others as his first love. Prayer is the key to not losing our way. So our big challenge for you as we end this series today is that you commit to becoming a person of 24 hour a day, seven day a week prayer. See, because here's what I figured out. You can't complain, you can't grumble, you can't criticize, you can't fight like some of you fight when you're talking to God about creating me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, help me to love not just Jesus, but Judas as you loved. See, the conversations about those people, that person, they all start changing when they become part of our prayer. You see, here's the reality. The Holy Spirit moves when bold prayers are prayed and bold faith is displayed. And bold faith is displayed when we are praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But you have to be a person committed to prayer. So wherever Satan is trying to derail you or deplete you, God wants to strengthen you with his mighty power. And the primary way that he does that is through the discipline of prayer and the obedience of following Jesus as we pray. And it's my prayer, there's a church, that our church, that we will continue to be praying for each other. It's why we have been praying for each other in two ways throughout this series. First, by placing a prayer request on the wall. It's why every week you came in and there was a prayer request, a blank card. Write that prayer request on there, place it on the wall, take a prayer request and pray for that person so that we're praying for each other, understanding the power of prayer for each other. And second, we've been praying through a prayer 
for our church. Because here's the thing, you know, sometimes um, I'll have people tell me, especially from other churches and stuff, they want to come and complain about their church and go, our church has problems, like they discover something new. There's not a church out there that doesn't have problems. You know why the church has problems? Because we're part of the church, right? We all have problems. We're, we're human, right? So, so you're, you're not coming up with a genius idea when you go, man, the church is just not there yet. The church got problems. No, 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 no. The genius idea is to understand those problems and turn them into a prayer. So here's our prayer. You found it on your seat today. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray this prayer for the rest of the year. In fact, I'm inviting all of you with me right now, all of our churches, Blunstown, Chipley, Mariana, to out loud, together, let's corporately pray this prayer for our church and each other. I'm gonna put it on the screen so that you can follow along as we pray this together. Everyone ready? All our campuses? I'm praying for you, our church, to know God's love for you and to love each other well. So you will understand God's plan for us all, which is to equip each other to follow Jesus more closely by living his example in our household and protecting our church from losing its way. Listen, the thing that is going to keep us from losing our way is not the last brilliant idea that you had, the servo bullet that you came up with. Oh, if we did this, it would fix everything. No, 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 no. The thing that keeps us from losing our way is prayer. Being made strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So to close out this series, I'm gonna read the closing prayer the apostle Paul prayed over the church of Ephesus. And I'm gonna read it as a prayer for you. So in a prayerful spirit, you follow along as we put it on the screen for you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may the God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally, eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, my prayer for all of you is that, and you'll just know God's love, that you'll understand God's grace. And faithfulness will be upon you as you activate the armor of God through 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week prayer. It's the only thing that will keep us from losing our way. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as we close out this series, we... We sense and we feel the gravity of the importance of being a church, being a people of prayer. And Heavenly Father, I, I just know that as we look at how much time we spend a day in prayer, true conversations of stating our dependence, our desire to follow and obey 
of inviting you into those moments of tension and conflict, those struggles and those battles. God, as, as we look and compare the amount of time we spend in prayer with you and other things we're doing to try to survive life, we realize how far we've fallen. And you said to repent of that, and today we do. And you said to do what you did at first, and today we do that again as well. We state that we are totally dependent on you to be strong in your mighty power. We are totally dependent upon you to love others well. We're totally dependent upon you to have victory in this life. And so today, we commit to a continual conversation of inviting you in at all times and on all occasions. Help us this week to stay alert in those moments when we're ready to just lose it with someone in those moments when we're ready to talk about that group of people or those people, help us to stay alert to the devil's scheme. That's not our enemy. That's not our real problem. And may we fight our battles in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And we thank you for the victory. And the church of RCC said, amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us this week. We'll see you next week. Got some exciting things for you next week. Can't wait for you to be here. Bring a friend. We'll see you then.